0: And we're back, the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast, post-Super Bowl edition. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. A lot to get to today, John. Uh, Great seeing you out in LA. Uh, We both were out there for the full week leading up to the Super Bowl. I really enjoyed, got to see a lot of people, a lot of executives, broadcasters, agents. And I got to see you for about two seconds. Marchand and I, we we're staying in the
1: same hotel. We overlap by what? Four days. And I saw you twice. One, when you were coming out of a breakfast meeting with an executive, and it was like a ro- rotating tray. I was going going in to see that same executive.
0: It was like a check-in, check-out. It was like a hockey line going in and out. I told him, I will say, we're not going to say who it was, but I did say, yeah, don't tell him, don't give him any of the good stuff.
1: Oh, you know, it's funny. They pro- I, I was like, what did you tell Marshan? They were like, oh, we told him nothing.
0: all right the topics we're gonna hit the off-season nfl news a lot could be happening broadcasting al michaels sean mcveigh troy aikman a lot of names in the news We'll review the Super Bowl, of course, look at the ratings, say what we liked and didn't like about the broadcast, and they'll go into other topics as well. Amazon made some moves, John, that you had this week in terms of how their hierarchy works. Big Ten and ESPN, the negotiating window you reported, is going to expire, even though ESPN still could get back in there. TNT and TBS have some special All-Star Game coverage, and then we'll have our call of the week, which is Super Bowl-related so John, a uh, lot to pack in. And you know what, Andrew, this is our 20th episode. We
1: should have a party after the show or something, but let's get right to it. Who's up, who's down, who do you
0: got? Who's up, who's down. All right, on the way up, Sean McVay. Now look, we're gonna get into this a little bit deeper. I'm not saying Sean McVay is gonna go to ESPN, Monday Night Football or some other broadcast booth, but if he wants to, it's out there, and I think he probably can get $10-plus plus million if he wants to walk away from coaching. If you read the tea leaves of what he said, I think it's very possible. I'm not saying he's definitely going to do it. Uh, he still has a very good team, but they have mortgaged their future uh, in terms of the trades they've made. So I think this story could happen this offseason, but it, if it doesn't, it still it's not going anywhere. It's going to be a story for the next three years. Okay, John, who do you have on the way up? On the way up, I
1: have who's up. It's Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner. The Big Ten has already started negotiating its next media rights deal, and the market couldn't be better for the Big Ten. ESPN wants it. Fox wants it. NBC wants it. CBS wants it. Turner, at least they wanted it when Jeff Zucker was there. And Amazon just named a new head of sports who, get this, did his undergrad at Michigan and his grad school at Northwestern. Deep uh, Big Ten roots. I always compare this uh, process to selling a house. If you get more bidders, you get a bigger price. Well, the Big Ten is overrun with bidders right now, and I'm looking for that conference to break the bank.
0: All right, now let's do on the way
1: down. John, why don't you go first?
0: Who do you got? I I
1: have Phil Mickelson. Back back around Thanksgiving, I gave Mickelson an uh, on the way up because I thought he was so good. On the match, his on-air performance with with Turner was. I, I just thought he was a natural on TV. But Andrew, he's killing any postseason media career right now. He ripped the PGA Tour in an interview with John Huggins of Golf Digest when he went on record say that the tour was operating with what he called obnoxious greed, and he was complained that he and the other golfers weren't being paid enough. So let's forget the fact that somebody whose net worth is about the same as some small countries is complaining about not being paid enough. Surely, Mickelson has to know that bashing the PGA Tour so publicly, especially when the PGA Tour is competing with this new uh, Saudi-backed golf league, isn't going to sit well with the networks that cover the PGA Tour. I mean, do you think CBS and NBC are going to hire Mickelson to do golf for them on the PGA Tour? I don't. ESPN, Discovery, Amazon, all of them have deep relationships with the tour. And I can tell you, a lot of those executives took notice of those comments.
0: Yeah, I don't know if Mickelson was going to do it in the first place, though. He has made so much money. I think he wanted to, and I think he wanted From what I've heard, he kind of sees that Tony Romo salary and says, oh, well, I want to get paid similar to that. So Mickelson is used to getting paid. He's not used to being on the way down. From John Oren goes with Phil Mickelson. All right, my on the way down, let's go Super Bowl. Uh, Terry McCauley, uh, the expert on officiating for NBC. Uh, Where was he? Is he over here? Is he over there? Where did he go? He was nowhere to be found. Look, we'll get into it. Overall, very good broadcast for NBC. I did think late- I would have liked to have heard um, McCauley, especially on the defense of pass interference. It was such a crucial call. I mean, Collinsworth did talk about it, but I'd love to hear McCauley say that's that is pass interference because of this. It's not because of that. You had him there. You know, the, the other call, the other big one was that face mask on the long touchdown, uh, 75 yarder that they didn't call on Jalen Ramsey, uh, which seemed blatant. I, you didn't really need it. I thought Collinsworth could have hit that a little bit harder, actually. Uh, but we'll get to that uh, when we go full into the breakdown of the Super Bowl and the ratings and their coverage, but uh, Terry McCauley was on the way down because you just didn't see them. and the NBC, I thought, could have used them. That's a one uh, slight criticism I had for their overall broadcast.
1: Yeah, that's why you have an official in the booth,
0: but let's get right to it. Let's get to the topics. Topic
1: one, Andrew, the off-season, the hot stove league for sports media. I, I mean, I could sense the excitement coming out of your uh, your booth right there.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean look this one could be fun it could it might be a dud you never know with these things but a lot going on number one al michaels we've said it before one yard line with amazon i still as of this taping i still think espn is a possibility not totally closing the door there more likely he goes uh to amazon fred Godelli, his producer is going to be at amazon but I, I i do think that um when you look at it uh ESPN, you can't fully count them out as of yet. All right. Let me
1: ask you a quick question because you were the first one to report this about Al Michaels. And now it's sort of the best known secret in the the business. Thanks thanks to your original reporting on this. The question that I heard most frequently in Los Angeles last week was why Al Michaels, if he's not at the top of his game, he's pretty close uh, to the top of his game. We all know that there's a succession plan with Mike Tirico why does NBC feel the need to make this move?
0: Well, Tariko's been in the on-deck circle since he came over. Now, remember, when Tariko left ESPN, he was the voice of Monday Night Football. So he had one of those top NFL jobs. When he came over, the original idea was NBC had Thursday Night Football. Tariko could do Thursday Night Al does Sunday night. Then they lost Thursday night football. First, they wouldn't let Tariko do it, the NFL. They had to have Michaels do it uh, because that was the agreement that they had to have the number one team. Then they finally got, they let Tariqo do it. Um, but then uh, they lost it. So Tariko has not been able to do the NFL. He came over from ESPN. He is the face of that network. Uh, Michaels is 77. As he said to us last week, he's kind of kicked the coverage. He's still going strong. Uh, he 90, 92 on that fastball still is very good. Um, and so I think they, they just feel like this is the right time. I can understand it, you know, because Terrico is their guy, even if Al's the best of all time, uh, you can kind of see NBC's thinking, uh, but, uh, Michaels did not do anything to hurt his cause of saying, well, you know, maybe I should keep this job, uh, which the, with the way he performed in the Super Bowl. Now the question is who's going to be his partner. That's what he's kind of waiting for. Uh, I do think Troy Aikman and Amazon are having talks. I think ESPN has a little interest in Troy Aikman as well. Fox, of course, wants to keep him. Most likely scenario is probably uh, Aikman does some Amazon, some Fox, um, and does the, the big games. But that's not a definite, but that's probably the most likely scenario, I would say. And then Al has his partner, maybe doesn't do all the Amazon games, and it leaves some out there. But again, ESPN is still a wild card in this. Uh, I would not fully rule them out as of yet. Let's talk Romo money. Romo makes like what is it, eighteen a year, eighteen million with everything? If you count his, you know, personal assistant and the, uh, you know, assistant, you know, stat person and the travel. Every single media executive that you
1: talked to afterwards said that that was uh, a unique circumstance. It was sort of the perfect storm where, where Tony Romo signed that and that no, nobody else was gonna even get close to that. In fact, they, they, they saw a scenario where salaries for on-air talent were gonna come back. We have uh, Troy Aikman looking at Amazon and, and potentially ESPN now. In terms of money, it looks like we're seeing a raise coming up here. Are we going to, What are we gonna see in terms of salaries for these uh, higher end talents?
0: Well, I think Aikman has that Romo number in mind. I'm not sure he gets all the way there. Like you said, that was a unique circumstance but it raised the bar. I mean, Chris Collinsworth just got $12.5 million, which is a great salary to work five months a year and call games. It's crazy. That's why Aikman might do this. and You know, to get to the the number closer or maybe even uh, get to uh, Romo's numbers. uh, That's why he might do both. I mean, it would be easy just to do Fox, take $13 million or so, call the games with Joe Buck. Life would seem easy and very good, but you know, it's not as much as Romo. So it's only gonna be for, that's where the Sean McVay thing is interesting to me. McVay could keep coaching and probably has a chance to win again next year. But you look what the Rams have done, they've mortgaged the future. I just don't see him sticking around to start losing. He's already talked publicly about how he wants to start a family and have a work-life balance. Uh, he did a podcast with Peter Schrager of NFL Network. Uh, you could tell he's into the media uh, and, and has major interest in this. Uh, but the thing about these numbers is it's only going to the top person. They're not like you go down the analyst ranks, it's not like the salaries are still you're not building a, a basketball team or a football team where, yeah, the top guy makes 18 or 15 or 12, and the next person makes 10. No, the next person that comes way down, uh, still set number two teams, you're still in seven figures, but then after that, you're, you're probably not even in the sevens. Uh, if you're an analyst for you know five months of the year, they care about the number one. So if you're Sean McVay, Iron's hot. You might want to make sure that if it's ESPN or one of these others, you fill that void uh, before they find somebody else, because those $10 million contracts are not just going to be there if they if they become satisfied with who they have in that top slot. So um, that's why I, I, I again, I'm not saying McVay's definitely going, but I, that is a story that has legs. And even if he ends up uh, using those legs and returning to the Rams, it's not going away. That story unless ESPN and, and others are fully satisfied with who they have in that top spot. See, and that, that
1: you just made the point that I wanted to make, which is it's like a game of musical chairs. And, you know, one of the things that helped Collinsworth is that Drew Breach had such an awful performance in the playoff. M- M- NBC decided they really needed to, to re- re-up Collinsworth. One of the problems with Troy Aikman right now is that Fox, I think, can let him move on. They have a number two and Greg Olson, podcast guest, uh, that, that can step right in and, and become a number one. Uh, so if, if, if he can get ESPN and uh, Amazon to negotiate for him and, and battle each other. Maybe he can get up there. But that kind of money is really only reserved for people in Tony Romo's situation where he was going to bolt to ESPN or like, or Collinsworth, where it's like, boy, Drew Brees isn't ready. We really need to keep this guy in our booth.
0: Yeah, but there's a difference 12 and a half million for Collinsworth, you know, 17 and a half, you want to say salary, 18 total for Romo. So it's, um, it will be interesting. All right. Let's go to Topic 2 and the Super Bowl. Pass. Cup. Got it. Touchdown. All right, that was Al Michaels on
1: NBC. On top of his game, Andrew. That that, that was classic Al Michaels.
0: Yeah, a good call on that Cooper Cup touchdown. Um, overall, I thought Michaels was excellent, um, especially early on. I thought late Lacked a little bit of energy um in terms of some of these big calls, did not have that final definitive, really like memorable the Rams are Super Bowl champs, especially on that Donald play at the at the end on the fourth down play. Um when uh Joey Burrow almost made an amazing throw on that fourth down play, but still Michaels excellent overall. And, and this is the call for me, John, that I thought just epitomized how good Al was the other day. Second half. We had the long touchdown, and then this interception. Jefferson in motion. Off play action. Fired over the middle. Picked off at the 31-yard line. Awujiye. Skoranek couldn't handle it. And the Cincinnati Bengals in 22 seconds have a touchdown and a takeaway. Okay, when you listen to that call, John, it can't be better in terms of the words, uh, the 22 seconds at the end that he mentions that the uh, you had the turnover and the touchdown, 22 seconds. That's perfect. And uh, to do it like, look, it's always the elephant in the room with older broadcasters. You know, it's you don't want to be offensive talking about age and all those things but it is a factor. The man is 77 and it's really impressive. And I wrote about this the other day. If you're going to talk about the greatest of all time, obviously in broadcasting, so subjective, but he kind of Tom Brady to everybody. When you talk about that discussion, now he's tied a Pat Summerall for the most Super Bowls ever called at 11. And, uh, and he's at the top of his game doing it. And that to me kind of separates him. It's again, it's kind of a a little bit of nonsense talk like who's the greatest of anything when they're not you know especially this is not even players but but I think Al did put an exclamation point on it and when he talk about ESPN I wrote the end of my column he'll only be a mere 81 when they have the Super Bowl <laughs> in 2027 so uh yeah if you would say well why would ESPN get him he's not gonna do the Super Bowl All right maybe maybe not I mean the guy doesn't eat vegetables uh and he's seems like he's in amazing shape so who knows Al Michaels, this is why NBC's decision to move on from,
1: from Al Michaels is such a big story to me. He's been the play-by-play voice for primetime football in, in, in the U.S. Since the, since the 80s. We're going on 30 years right now. I mean, it's, it's an incredible legacy. And if he's dropped off, he hasn't dropped off a lot. I mean, the, the, there are plenty of others that, that you, you have seen the drop off as they get older, become much more pronounced. I don't really see it with, with, uh, with Michaels at all.
0: No, you don't. So overall, for me, a very good broadcast. Let's start with the pregame, John. Wait, hang on. I, I got. A, I got
1: some questions, Andrew. The pregame. How much of the pregame did you watch? I watched the whole thing. <laughs> uh, you could live to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. You could. Okay, yeah. It, I watched. It did not, and now? how? Now how did you watch? Did you switch from NFL Network to ESPN, or did you just stick on? Uh,
0: I started with. I had. Well, I have the three screens in my office going, and I started with countdown at 10 o'clock, and then I would go in uh, and watch game day, but countdown was on the main screen. Um, and then uh, when NBC started at one o'clock, I was there. I mean, look, did I miss like a minute or two? Like, you know, here and there, you go get a snack, uh, you get up, you talk to somebody in the house. Yes, but I All was right, there. All right, so let for- me ask
1: some questions then. Yeah. I, I just want to pepper you with questions here. <laughs> what What was the most memorable moment from the uh, hours of pregame uh, coverage that you saw? And by the way, I just want to say that we we talk about what we we talk about beforehand. You you don't know any of the
0: questions exactly. I was going to say we did not. I did not do any prep here for this except for watching. Uh, I'd say the most poignant thing was the Tom Coughlin uh, uh feature. I I I got the sense I don't know this. You know Coughlin probably was very. I only want to do it this way. His wife has dementia. Uh, he, he wrote a op-ed in the New York times a little while ago about, uh, being a caregiver. Uh, it's very touching. I mean, especially around here, uh, Coughlin, uh, won a couple of championships with the giants, um, known as a tough guy and to see him, um, you know, kind of vulnerable. The other thing I really liked was, uh, what I really, really liked, very inside TV, but they did a thing where uh, the producer, Fred Godelli he gets high school uh, players from the area. And they went through some of the plays that the Rams and Bengals had and to, to, to make sure they can get every shot, which I thought was excellent. Would you say, oh, that's too inside TV, but actually the way they did it with the studio people from uh, Drew Brees to uh, Rodney Harrison, Chris Sims um, and Tony Dungy they went over some things and it was good. I thought that was a real good segment as well.
1: I, I was in LA all week. I was in LA on Sunday, so I didn't get to see any of the pregame shows. But the, the if you watch Roger Goodell's press conference, if you talk to anybody for any length of time, they brought up a lot of the problems with the NFL. Uh, allegations of racism in hiring, allegations of sexism in, in the, the Washington franchise, uh, the, uh, allegations of potentially throwing games in Miami or Cleveland, how did NBC cover that?
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they hit on those topics. I, I mean, you have
1: to if you start. Well, of course they hit on them, but did did they, 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 well, how'd they really do hit a good job?
0: Them? I mean, look, this is all. Um, what I don't like is when networks just do these things. So people like you and I and the Internet just says, well, they covered it, you know, but I thought they did. They had Michael Smith and Michael Holly on who have a show on Peacock um, to talk about uh, the coaching situation. And that was pretty hard hitting. Michael Smith uh, had some uh, comments about how uh, the white owners have to care as much as they do as African-Americans who are talking about this, um, which was a... um, you know, very strong statement to have. They had Mike Florio um, with some news on Brian Flores's suit against the NFL, uh, mentioning that they could add the uh, Texans to it because they didn't hire Flores and it was retaliation from the suit. So uh, I, I thought they covered the stuff. I mean, look, I, I, all these pregame shows aren't earth-shattering, but I guess um, I think they did engage with those things. And they, they, I found them. They didn't overdo it, but I thought it was, I thought they were, it was good. So uh, I think a strong job on the pregame. All right. Overall pregame, give it a grade. Give it an A minus. A minus, I think, is a good grade for for the um for the pregame. Uh not perfect, but very good.
1: I would have liked to have you
0: as a professor,
1: Andrew.
0: I I don't know if I'm an easy grader, right? There's a couple of points before we move on to the next topic I wanna to get into. Chris Collinsworth, I did not think had a great game. Um, I thought he was okay. Um, I will say overall, this is why I think the broadcast did well, is that you don't want to be the story, kind of like an umpire um, in a baseball game. You don't really want to be talked about too much. If you're doing the broadcast, if people aren't talking about you too much, that's probably a win. Last time out, uh, Philadelphia, New England, Collinsworth, they were riding the streets over, not literally, but almost uh, in Philadelphia because Collinsworth went, they had petitions against him and everything. So I thought he might've been a little gun shy. I thought he wasn't strong enough on the face mask Um, on the long touchdown, the 75 yarder. It was obvious. And he's like, oh, he grabbed his face mask. Yeah, that's a 75 yard touchdown. That shouldn't have been. It's an obvious call that they totally missed. And I thought he was a little over the top with how great a drive it was at the end. Um he said it was like the greatest drive ever or something like that. Or I don't know. it seemed a little much. It didn't feel like it was a, you know, it's a Super Bowl winning touchdown drive. That's obviously uh very important. But I thought it was so I thought Collinsworth was only okay. Um I do think it's a little bit difficult with all the commercials for the analysts to get in there um because you're just going to break so often and so it's hard to to really make your big points. But um he didn't really bring I didn't feel that much extra. It wasn't bad, it just wasn't great. All right, I'm
1: gonna ask you for a grade on Collinsworth.
0: Collinsworth, I'll give a now you got to be, I got to be tough on the grade. All right. So uh,
1: <laughs> we started, uh, we start easy. C
0: plus I'll give him
1: C plus. I, well, I did see the, the, uh, questionable pass interference call at the end on that play. I, I would have just liked him to be more forceful. He just kind of like, it was obvious that he didn't agree with the call, but he didn't quite want to say that he didn't agree with the call. And that, uh, as you said, uh, at the opening is when you got to bring in the rules analyst.
0: I agree. Yeah, exactly. I think you could have Macaulay. All right. Last thing, Michelle Tafoya's uh, last governor, Michelle Tafoya. Um, uh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Is she, running? <laughs> is she running? We might know a governor if she runs. I, she said she's not running. She did a bunch of interviews, um, one with the athletic, um, where she said that she um, she may, she, her husband doesn't want to run. She wants to run. Uh, we reported way back that this was her last year. Uh, it was obvious she was going to go into politics, which we wrote about. Um, and now she is for sure. She had a very fine sports casting career. Uh, now she goes into that next phase.
1: Overall grade for I the game. I would ask
0: you what kind of politician will Michelle Tavoya be? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just got home yesterday. Yeah. I don't care. Get it. Tape it and let's go. Overall game broadcast grade. A minus probably gets an A if they bring Macaulay in. I thought it was excellent thought. They're good. I mean, they, they always have a plan too. They come out of breaks with a plan. NBC does a tremendous job. Goudeli, he's going to go work at Amazon as well Add that, but they do a very good job. Yeah, um, if we had a,
1: a Sports Media Hall of Fame, Gaudeli is is right in there, isn't he?
0: you're starting to hall of fame all right we have to do that oh gosh I, I, you, I, you know, know what i did a couple of ran.
1: episodes ago i did mount rushmore and people were like that's too cliche so now i got to go to the hall of fame exactly
0: i know but we don't need people petition Ugh, guys it, uh, this this is not important with john i think all right I mean, listen <laughs> listen every week don't get me wrong but who cares yeah
1: it's critically important what are you talking you know, about know, it's the
0: most important thing in the world if you get in the martian oran sports media hall of fame <laughs> tell all your friends yeah whatever you know what i was mentioning? Uh Barrett media had me gave me an honor the other day and I'm sending it all over the place to my, you know, family and friends. So, you know, and again, that, that's a, so you get honored, you get honored. So whatever, it'd be the most important thing in the history of anything. All right, let's do the ratings before we finish up on the super bowl, 112.3 million people watched over all the platforms uh, of NBC, et cetera, for the NFL. Um, what did you think of that number? You know, it's a little less
1: than I thought, to be honest, Across NBC and um, Telemundo, it just got a, a little bit over 100 million, 101 1 million uh, of viewers were, were watching that. But the thing about ratings, uh, you know, Andrew, is if they got 75 million, uh, it would it would still be a, a big number, and they would still command the sa- the same kind of uh, ad prices that they would. Everybody's going to lead with the ratings story, uh, and and it's, it's going to get headlined for, for the next couple of days. But all it is is like an ego play. For the NFL and for the networks to say, and they're trying to get it as as high as they can. Uh, they they want to be beat last year, but really nothing on television gets anywhere close to this. I mean, they could get 60 million uh viewers and it would be the most watched show of the year on television. I just, you know, I don't, I, I, I always hate Super Bowl rating stories because everybody cares about it and it's just an ego play to me.
0: I hear you. No, no doubt about it. I mean, the biggest thing is it'll be the most watched show of the year by far. Um, and you're right. If it's 100, 112, 105, whatever it is, um, if, if you're in that range, it's an amazing number and it's not going anywhere. And the Super Bowl is the strongest programming there is. You know, it was cold
1: on the East Coast. You had the second largest TV market in the country involved in the game and hosting the game. You had a close competitive game So these are all reasons why it got up there. But, you know, if you could have had all that and it could have been 90 million and they, they would have been killed for that. But it still would have been a
0: success. 100%. So success. All right. All right. Before we get to our last couple of topics in the call of the week, let's take a quick break. Okay, let's go on to our next topic, topic three. John, you had the news in your newsletter for the Sports Business Journal on Monday. Amazon with a big move. Um, what do you got?
1: Well, Amazon brought in Jay Marine to run its uh, sports division. Uh, who's Jay Marine? Nobody knows. He doesn't have a big sports background, but this is what we know about him. He's close to, uh, to Jeff Bezos and he's a, and he's a long Amazon executive. And so he's coming in. He, he doesn't have a lot of relationships yet. Uh, he was in uh, Los Angeles, making the rounds, meeting with various NFL executives. And one of the reasons that Amazon says that he is, uh, that they put him in that position is because they've grown so big that they need somebody uh, to bring, bring somebody new in to watch him. The former head of sports, Marie Donahue, the uh, former uh, ESPN executive, uh, they assure me her role hasn't changed, but she now has a new boss. Who, were P- uh, who now were, reports into her old boss.
0: So maybe Amazon tries to make a play uh, in the Big Ten, which is one of those things, when you look again, what they've done, we've talked about this before, NFL, uh, around the world, soccer, cricket, uh, relationship with the Yankees here in the United States, uh, the big Thursday night exclusive package that I know you're fond of uh, coming up. And uh, so Big Ten kind of in the college ranks, you know, uh, with SEC, that's the biggest in football um, that you could get. You know what? Uh, one of the
1: biggest surprises that, uh, that I've, I've seen in just reporting this over the, over the years is how these big executives do let their personal biases come in. I mean, I just think back of John Skipper at ESPN, and all of a sudden they're big into soccer and they're ODing on the NBA and the NFL that uh, they don't care as much about, which uh, funnily enough, completely tracks with uh, what, what his interests were.
0: Yeah, that is good. Soccer, he was good. He actually, John Skipper, I get on sometimes, but he he is one of the more important people in the history of uh, U.S. soccer uh, when you see what he did with the changing of the rights. And he did grow the game. I mean, others have done it as well, NBC, Fox uh, to a degree, but Skipper, very important with soccer. Big Ten, we hit on a little bit, next topic. What else do you want to add in terms of where those rights are and what, what we're going to see happen here?
1: Uh, we're, we're just going to see a, a really big bidding war. Right now, they are in exclusive, an exclusive negotiating window with ESPN. Uh, all, everybody that I talk to suggests that it's going to go out of that w- without a deal. And the reason uh, for that is all of the interest uh, from all of the other networks uh, that, that are there. And ESPN still wants it and is still going to be going after it hard. Uh, Fox wants a bigger piece of it, of course. Uh, CBS wants something to replace the SEC, which is gonna be leaving that Saturday afternoon window. And NBC is salivating over, could you imagine a Saturday night of a Notre Dame game leading into a, a Big 10 game or vice versa? So they, uh, the, all of these networks are just looking at the Big 10 as something that could really anchor their, their weekend programming. I mean, you, I'll, be, I'll be covering it, but you want a prediction? I, I think it's gonna to go to Fox and CBS. But uh, I, I don't count out uh, ESPN, which when they really want something, they, uh, they 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 find the money to pay for it, or uh, or NBC, which uh, which does. I mean, they're going to be putting in really aggressive bids.
0: And what's the official ORAN projection in terms of the money? With SEC got three hundred million plus, right? What was it, three twenty-five? I think per year. Yeah, we're we're
1: going to see SEC type money. I think that that's another thing about these deals is uh, the Big Ten. Kevin Warren, he wants to. At least match the SEC, if not get more. That there's a big competition there in, in terms of uh, what what conference gets the most. And uh, the advantage for the uh, Big Ten is all off the field. They have big markets. They have you know the Ohio market. They have Chicago, of course. Here in DC, we have the Terps. Uh, can can we say? Rutgers. Can we say Rutgers has New York?
0: It no, it doesn't.
1: <laughs> not uh, the New York market they, they have, but they have they care big
0: about New I'm not saying they're not a big program, but it, I don't know. That doesn't really seem to, I, if they won the national championship, it would change, but nobody cares. <laughs> I mean, they, they, no, no disrespect to Rutgers, uh, but they- oh, No disrespect to Rutgers. You just disrespected
1: them, Andrew. Well, It's
0: not a New York team. It's not like the Jets and Giants playing New Jersey and they're called the New York Jets or Giants. It's Rutgers- you know they've they've never really been great at football. They, big Ten obviously wanted the New York market involved. but again, it's a big deal in Jersey around Rutgers, but until they're really good, um, I don't know it's just it's not I lived in Miami when the University of Miami became a big deal. that was like a felt like a whole, you know uh, whole community even if you didn't go to Miami you you liked uh U of M but uh I don't know I don't get that but sense of if, if of
1: uh you. if Rutgers gets competitive it's going to become a hot ticket you watch they they just need they they need to start winning on the field just like my alma mater out that down here at Maryland
0: yeah, all right well wait are they good do people care about them besides you you and uh Scott Van Pelt and uh Frank Isola all these uh Maryland grads Taylor, Taylor you know Trump. what
1: we we care about Maryland basketball and Maryland basketball being so bad this year is, is infuriating. Uh, But, but Maryland football, if it's good, it's good. Great. I don't care. Like, but basketball is all we care about.
0: Does the big 10 get the 400 million per year?
1: Oh, that's a lot. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yes. I think that there, I think that there is so much interest and they're great brands in big markets. Uh, I I think that by the end of this, the big 10, is gonna make them more revenue than any other college conference from their media rights deal. That's a bold prediction, Andrew.
0: That is a bold prediction. Well, I said it too, so it's not so bold. I made it less. Uh, (laughs) Wait, you said it first, you had to claim credit? Well, I didn't know. No, I wasn't claiming credit. I just said it. Like, I know. <laughs> if I didn't say it too. I mean, bold would, would imply that you're the only one who said it. That would be bold. You know, it's like, uh, you can't be bold if the other person's saying it too. And then we're, I guess we both could be, we're both, this is the boldest sports media podcast out there. This is like the anti first take. We're just agreeing with each other. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah. Well, you I mean, I don't know. I had to grade the whole world. You're like, you know, I'm just grading everybody. I'm like a teacher today. <laughs> I'm just giving out A's, except for Collins where they gave a C plus two. All right. All right. We go to the all-star game, TNT and TBS. Uh, TBS is going to have an alternative broadcast. Don't call it a Manning cast. Everyone in TV, John, here's a little inside TV thing for you. They get so mad if you call anything a Manning cast, except for the Manning cast, because I, I wrote it in my story that, yes, ESPN and Turner, they basically pioneered the concept of these alternative broadcasts. So the Manning cast is not new. The Manning cast just happens to be the most successful, the most that it's in. It's an easy way for people to reference us. So it's not a Manning cast. You know what's so funny
1: about that, Andrew, is uh, in my story on that. I reference it as sort of like a Manning cast.
0: Of yeah. course, you know, that's how people understand it. Yeah, I mentioned a Manning cast too. Yeah, of course. TNT and CBS, though, I do like it. Alternative broadcast. Draymond Green will also be involved. It's a good idea. You do need it as a separate broadcast. Originally, I'd reported and this is what they originally were going to have, Barkley with Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller. Instead, it's going to be Dwayne Wade uh, with um, Reggie Miller and Harlan. But I think this works better when you have an alternative broadcast, because if you have it just as your main broadcast, you're going to, kind of upset people who just want to see the game and don't want to hear Barkley the whole time, make it the Charles Barkley show inside the NBA. I think we'll get rave reviews because they always do. And I think the alternative broadcast as a secondary broadcast work, if it's just your main broadcast, uh, I think that's when you're going to annoy people.
1: That's what I think is going to be so interesting here. Cause you want another bold prediction. Uh Here we
0: oh, go. Is this one bold? Let's
1: the see if this is actually bold. Ready? Do we, do we have like sound effects for this? I'll do. I'll do. The bold prediction. Okay. Turner's alternative broadcast is going to get more viewers than its main broadcast.
0: No, I'm you don't think that, so? That, no, right, that's your bold prediction. Another dinner right now. You want me about. To oh God. It? I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm um, already backtracking. I'm already backtracking. Yeah, it. no,
1: I don't think so. I but, just think like Charles Barkley is an otherworldly TV talent. Him and Shaq calling the game. It's not like they're calling a real game. They're calling a farce game. I mean, they, they almost scored 200 points a, a couple of years ago. It's all supposed to be fun. And, that, and if I want to have fun watching a fun telecast, I'm going straight to TBS. That's, uh, that's certainly going to be how I'm watching the All-Star game this year.
0: All right, Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, Dwayne Wade. Um, you guys, John Orange Challenge, you guys have to have fun. They got
1: to step it up. They got to,
0: they can't have too much fun. Because, no, here's the interesting TV thing is that when you compare like ESPN to ESPN 2 with the Manning cast, you know, people go to ESPN for Monday Night Football. I think you do go to TNT for the All Star game, that is the main broadcast, but I don't think the uh the separation between TBS and TNT, this is helping your cause is as great. And I do, people do flip around, but I do think TNT is the main broadcast. The other thing is the numbers aren't going to be nearly as high for an NBA all-star game as compared to Monday night football. And so, uh, you know, these alternative broadcasts, you know, do they add, people to watch, you know, watching that. that's a question that some of these networks who don't do it are like, oh, I'm not really sure about that. Um, obviously it's good publicity when when you're brought, when, you know, I, I do think it will be a social media will probably like it, especially with Draymond in there, uh, freshening it up. And I, I think Barkley's just great. So, and that brings us to this, okay. And I just need to give the props. Did you see John, the uh, all-star game selection when they had LeBron James and Kevin Durant on?
1: You know, l- l- let's let's play it right now.
0: He hasn't played, is he healthy? Who's that? James, he hasn't played. I don't, he's, he's like, what happens if he doesn't? Oh, he
1: got traded. He's healthy now. He's missed the last three with a with a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: see, and now we know why LeBron carries hey, a clipboard hey, with hey, him to the hey, uh, hey, to the Hey, dry. LeBron! Oh my God! Trust me, right man. now he's rubbing some ice hot on that thing. He's playing the next game.
1: No <laughs> <laughs> <All> the questions. <laughs> I can't. I can't KD just oh next year God. bring a clipboard. It comes in. It comes in very handy. Yeah, you Uh-oh. have to. You can hide your face. <laughs> like LeBron's been doing, You know, Andrew, I watch a lot of TV. I rarely belly laugh. I belly laughed when I saw that. That was great.
0: Well, they got LeBron laughing. They got Durant to crack a smile. I and mean, Barkley is just so good. Inside the NBA, they deserve credit all the time, but like Barkley. I don't know what he gets paid. Whatever he gets paid, it's not. He is by far the best studio analyst ever. I mean, he is such, like, he's top 50 NBA players of all time, but he's just so good. He's hilarious. He says things. He busts on these guys. Uh, It's tremendous, and that was good. So, uh, you know, that's why it's it's considered the best ever. So, A-plus for that. There's another grade for you. Let's move to our Call of the Week. Call of the Week. Mine comes from NFL Films. They got Sean McVay at the end of the game before the uh, final drive and final play uh, that really sealed the Super Bowl. And this is McVay.
1: Less than a yard to gain on fourth down with 43 seconds remaining.
0: Hey, what else could you want? What else could you want? Right now, let's go. Let's go. Hey, Aaron, this is the moment right now.
1: for the world championship right here. Aaron Donald's going to make a throw. Burrow to throw for it. Oh, he's hit. He flicks it away on fourth down. Aaron Donald got there. Yeah! Yeah!
0: I knew it!
1: The greatest of all time does it in the biggest moment of Super Bowl 56. Aaron
0: We got another Tony Romo here, John. He predicted Aaron Donald was going to make a play there. And then he does. Uh, McVay auditioning for Monday night. I mean, look, predicting Aaron Donald is going to make a play is not, you know, going out. I'd say that's not a bold prediction. Uh, but um it was really good uh nfl films they just they bring you inside the game you know is it sanitized a little bit a little bit but they it's just nfl was so smart um all these years ago to get the nfl films involved and and i thought that was really excellent
1: your buy sell or hold on mcveigh is so obviously a buy you can't get enough of him he, he, he... i don't know i
0: i want no hold on a second that's not i, I don't know how good he'll be on the air but he is a tremendous story i mean he's the youngest coach ever He's, he's only 36 and there's a chance he could walk away for the broadcast booth. That is a, I mean, we are always looking for man bites, dog stories. I'm not saying it's that far. Madden did it way back when John Madden, the most, you know, on our Mount Rushmore of uh, sports media. Now a guy might do it at 36 again. To me, that's a humongous story. So yes, I am definitely buy on this story uh, for sure. And he might be really good. I just think it's, it's, I think it's fascinating.
1: The question is like where does he go does he go right into the booth does he go into a, a studio how are you how, how do you expect the networks to use somebody like him
0: i think he'd be on games i, I would think i think he was monday night football would would want him if he, if he comes out i think that's the one that kind of makes the most sense um they like their crew right now in terms of levy riddick uh, and greasy but if they have mcveigh could they you know change the whole thing up and Again, I mentioned, I don't think the door is, at least that this, as we tape right now, the door is not completely closed on Al Michaels. Um, could they get somebody else, a play by player, to try to really make sure that McVeigh gets put in the best position? Uh, I think that's possible. Uh, it could be with Levy as well. Uh, but um, but yeah, I think it's a fascinating story when you look at the Sean McVeigh situation.
1: Well, that wraps a Super Bowl edition of the Marchand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. Thank you all for listening until the end and uh be sure to tune in next week when andrew we're gonna
0: have another big get sounds good thanks john enjoy it good seeing you in la too for the two seconds